go ahead, shake that jar of sprinkles and celebrate your role as a mom. I'm Stephanie Fleece. And I'm Michelle Fortin with City Mom Collective. And our hope is that this podcast brings a smile to your face, a skip to your step, and a sprinkle or two to your mundane. This is Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, a podcast by City Mom Collective. Welcome back, mamas. This is episode 60 of Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood. And we're tackling a pretty big topic today, and one that is really vital, even though it may be uncomfortable. That's right, Steph. Today, we're talking about mental health. We are going to hear from moms who struggle with their mental health and how they cope. First, let's give you some facts to help us all start off with the same page. So uh, studies do suggest that one in five American adults struggle with mental illness. That's 20% of the population's millions of people in the United States alone, and it doesn't discriminate. Mental illness can affect anyone, men, women, grandparents, teenagers, children, dads, and of course, moms. Yeah, and something particularly alarming, though, is the average delay between the onset of symptoms and receiving treatment is 11 years. Wow. That's according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 11 years. That is Far too long, far too much life lived in fear or pain or numbness. And imagine the ripple effect through your family, friends, and workplace. Get help. Please take the first step. There is zero shame in caring for your mental health. You need need to take pride in that. Mm, Yeah, well, Michelle, I know this hits particularly close to home for you. It does, Steph. Yeah, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression, and I still battle depression today. And initially, I didn't recognize warning signs, and I ended up in a pretty frightening spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a suicide plan. I've been real open about this. Um, and I, But then I got pregnant with my daughter, and I finally disclosed my dark thoughts to a friend of mine who just very nonchalantly said, oh, that's postpartum depression. And it never occurred to me that that's what I was struggling with just because it felt so normal to me. It felt so normal to be so down and uh, convinced myself that my baby was better off without me. My husband would be better off without me. I was just in such a dark place. It had never even occurred to me that it it was depression. And Mm -hmm. that was a huge light bulb moment for me that my friend so nonchalantly mentioned that. And for Mm -hmm. that, it just normalized it and it made it easy for me then to go and get help. So I had to wait till after I had my daughter before I could get medication and treatment, but I did. And I've been, um, it's been an up and down battle since then. I've had good days and bad days, Mm -hmm. Um, but I really feel like I have it under control now. And I'm so grateful to my friend, Heather, who said something to me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then it's also opened my eyes to be able to talk to other moms when I see them um, in a place that I, I think they might be suffering and I can share my story and then we could open up because once you start talking about it, right, there's so much um, light that is shed in a dark spot mm. and it makes it so much easier to come forward and talk about it. But I still take two pills every day to help with my depression and mm. I uh, have been in therapy and it's just been um, something that I didn't talk about a lot in the beginning. Um, and you know, mm. you've been my friend through all this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, now I'm feeling more and more uh, open about sharing it. And and every time I do, I get feedback from someone who um, it, it's helped. So the more mm-hmm. we talk about it, really, truly, the better it makes it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, 
Tell us just a little bit more about your story. Like when did you start symptoms? Um, Like after having your first and then when did this friend kind of speak into your life? Yeah, sure. So my son was born in May of 2011 and I had, you know, basically that summer as my maternity leave. And Mm -hmm. I would say things started pretty early on. I had an emergency C-section, so I was recovering from that. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to just you know, be overtired and and attribute things to being tired and having a newborn mm-hmm. and being a first time mom. And nothing occurred to me that I was was out of the anything I was experiencing was out of the ordinary. Mm. But thoughts like, um, I remember accusing my husband of not loving our baby enough that mm-hmm. I loved him more, and, and just kind of odd little signs like that that went unnoticed in the beginning, mm. but, and and that was indicative of what was happening inside my mind, which was. Mm. Um, you know, I was kind of um, prioritizing the baby over everybody else and everything else, mm. including myself. Um, and those who've suffered from this will understand it. it's probably not making sense to everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and, and, and things like that. And then just by the time Christmas came around of 2011, so my baby was, and this is also interesting because he was six, seven months old at that point. Mm-hmm. And by that point, postpartum depression wasn't even something that I I would consider because I felt like my baby was old. Right. Right. But that's actually very common for five, that five to six month mark is, is a lot of times when it, when it hits moms Mm -hmm. and not everyone's aware of that. But um, Mm -hmm. I, by that Christmas, I um, was sure that I should not be here anymore, that my baby was going to be better off with a new mom that my husband would find mm-hmm. after I was gone. And I planned, you know, that whole Christmas, I was just, this is my last, mm-hmm. I wanted to be here for his first Christmas, but I wasn't planning on staying around much longer. And, um, and so obviously those thoughts uh, at the time, it just made so much sense in my head that, yeah, mm-hmm. this kid is better off without me. And it never occurred to me that that was not right. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. until I, you know, was it by grace of God? I um, did not follow through with my plan. Within a couple of weeks after that, in January, I was pregnant with my daughter. Yeah. And after I realized I was pregnant, I you know I wasn't going to harm myself when I was pregnant because I didn't want to hurt my baby. And um, mm. I just happened to mention this friend of mine who was a she's a clinical social worker and therapist. Mm. And I just remember her just she didn't even stop eating her dinner in front of me. She's just like, oh yeah, let's postpartum depression. I was like, mm. oh my gosh, that made me feel so much better that. Hmm. that's a name. That's something I've heard of before. I know there's treatment. I know other people suffer from that. Yeah. Um, and there was so much freedom in knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing that. Um, your story is incredibly common. Yes. <laughs> and a, a CDC study actually shows that one in 10 women in the U.S. reported symptoms that suggest that they experienced an episode of major depression in the last year. And about one in eight women experience symptoms of postpartum depression. That info varies by state and can be as high as one in five women. Mm-hmm. You know, and our network of moms within City Mom Collective is, of course, not immune to this. So we've asked our sisterhood to call in with their stories, and we have a few to share with you today. And first, we'll go to Miami to hear from Rochelle. Hi, I'm Rochelle from Miami. Um, I'm a mother of two who has battled postpartum depression with each of my kids. Uh, the first time with my son, it took me over six months to actually speak up and ask for help. Um, and that reason would be because of the all the stigmas attached to maternal mental health. Um, you know, the stigma attached to mental health and specifically maternal mental health is, is huge. There's so many of them. Um, one of the biggest stigmas attached 
uh, to maternal mental health specifically is that we don't love our children or that we are bad moms. And we feel this way because we don't love our kids. Um, that stigma is just not true. And I hope um, that moms everywhere know that. The fact that we're going through a struggle with our mental health has nothing to do with how much we love our kids or how good we are at mothering. I hope every mom who might be experiencing this now knows this, and I hope anyone who sees a mom struggling learns this as well, so that they can be supportive. I kept quiet for a very long time because of the couple of times I would hint at how bad I was feeling with someone, friend, close, someone close to me. They would make me feel like I was just not a good mother for feeling that way, and I wish then I knew that that was not true. Therapy and medication is what got me through it, and I'm so thankful, and I finally did speak up when I did so I could get the help that I needed. Mental health struggles are caused by so many things, but none of those things mean we don't love our children. Thank you all so much for talking about this and for bringing more awareness to this topic and helping to end the stigma attached to maternal mental health. And there truly is a stigma around this issue. We have a great post up on our site, which we'll link to in our show notes about mental health. And it gets into the history of this issue and why that stigma is around. For example, in the 1950s, it was still common to institutionalize people with mental illness, despite Mm -hmm. research showing that it was not the best option. And also in the 50s is when we saw the first specific medication for mental illness, um, I'm going to butcher this title, but it's uh, chlorpromazine. Um, and so the 50s is the decade that everything started changing. And you can read more in the post, but it's the decade that um, institutionalizations and hospitalization numbers started to greatly decrease. And this medication was helping people. And doctors mm-hmm. realized that um, outpatient therapy and medication was really um, the best thing. But, you know, that wasn't that long ago. And that's still why the stigma is around, is that people still kind of have that, some people, in the back of their minds. Right. And something I heard Rochelle say that it took her six months to actually speak up. That's heartbreaking. If you think you may have a problem, here are some warning signs that you need to keep aware of. Uh, Eating or sleeping too much or too little. Pulling away from people and usual activities. Having low or no energy. Feeling numb or like nothing matters. Having unexplained aches and pains feeling helpless or hopeless, smoking, drinking, or using drugs more than usual, feeling unusually confused, forgetful, on edge, angry, upset, worried, or scared, yelling or fighting with family and friends, experiencing severe mood swings, having persistent thoughts and memories you can't get out of your head, hearing voices or believing things that are not true, thinking of harming yourself or others, or the inability to perform daily tasks like taking care of your kids or getting to school or work. Yep, you know, and many of those are warning signs that I missed until it was almost too late. And it's never wrong or shameful to ask for help. Mention how you're feeling to your OBGYN, your therapist, pastor, a friend. Seek out help because things can get much better. Just listen Mm -hmm. to these mamas. This is Amanda with Alamo City Moms in San Antonio, Texas. When I was growing up, my anxiety manifested itself in angry outbursts and tantrums um, and complete and utter not wanting to do things if I found them hard. People just were like, oh, she's type A, she's a perfectionist, she's just outgoing, and we wrote it off. And it wasn't until college when I actually had to leave college and come home Um, that we realized that it might be something else. 
it was managed very well through talk therapy. And then after the birth of my first child nine years ago, it really came back full-fledged, full force. And in addition to talk therapy, we added on some medication. Um, so to now, uh, these days, I take two pills every day. One we added during my last pregnancy, knowing how hard the um, postpartum period was for me. And it makes me a better mom and a better wife and a better friend and helps me control those anxious feelings that lead into depressive episodes. Hi, my name is Amber, and I am from Troy, Michigan. I'm the mother of two, and I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. I'd like to tell the mother who struggles with her mental health that seeking help in any form she sees fit, whether it be therapy or medication, yoga, meditation, or anything like that, that it's a sign of wisdom and strength. Helping yourself shows your children to prioritize themselves. My prayer for my kids when they see me taking my, any medication or when they see me cry after a difficult therapy session is that they will know I did those things in order to be my, the best version of myself for them, to be the best mom I could be for the whole family. And I hope that they can do the same for their families one day. Oh, the, these moms took brave steps to get to their mental health under control. And we are now sharing their stories to help you. Yeah, once you have this issue under control and you feel better, you want to shout it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least at least I do, Steph, and I know there's other moms that feel the same way. Yeah, well, medication, as Amanda and Amber mentioned, is definitely a beneficial treatment. And there are other great things you can do as well. Uh, that can be really uniquely specific, like what Blair in Nebraska has to say here. Hi, I'm Blair from Omaha, Nebraska, and the last year has been a doozy, <laughs> but kind of starting to crawl out from the fog that I've been experiencing through this an- pandemic. And a couple of ways I've been supporting my mental health that have been working um, as I kind of uh, transition between coping mechanisms back into healthy habits, I suppose, are systematizing my cleaning routine, um, really amping up what I can control. So uh, hyper-focused on meal planning and preparation Um, I recently did a whole digital decluttering that felt amazing. So that consisted of me unfollowing, you know, unhelpful people, as well as unsubscribing to a whole slew of emails in my Gmail. Um, I also feel like this kind of automation and routine for me and my kids have, and my husband, (laughs) have helped kind of, yeah, again, automate and bring a new rhythm. Uh, a positive rhythm that comes from that routine. Um, I also do follow someone who has just pounded this into my head that's really helped as a mantra throughout the last um, year or so, that hard is not the same thing as bad. So I remind myself and my family of that all of the time. Um, and even though I'm, I've been running low on time, you know, just pandemic aside, as a busy mom of young kids, I've really been um, volunteering more. So that was something that came about in my first ever stint of therapy over the a few months in the fall. And it's been really improving my outlook and sense of purpose and fulfillment. Um, so all of those things combined and a medium amount size of online shopping have really kind of helped 
dig me out of the hole that um, COVID has had caused in my life. Hard is not bad. Write that down. Oh, yes. I love that sentiment. Thank you so much, Blair. Hard is not bad. Yes. she And she also mentioned what helps her meal planning digital decluttering. <laughs> Michelle, talk to us about what works for you. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned therapy and medication, but you know, for me, the, the big one is routine. So mm. I've through the years realized that whenever we're out of routine is a big trigger for me. So like mm. right now we're on the precipice of summer and summer can be triggering for me because I, my, my mental health is, is so much better when I am in a routine. So I mm. have to work ahead to schedule a routine. Um, I have to schedule plans for my kids. I have to get, you know, I have to make sure every day of the week there's something going on or something planned because the moment that we go into unstructured time, I start to unravel. And mm. I don't know why that is, but that's just um, me and my my mental health is that I need to have, I need to have that. I need to have some kind of project going. I need to have some things on my calendar, some something to do, um, mm. literally on my to-do list. Mm. Um, and that's personally what what's helped me. I think that's so good. Such a good practical, you know, just to be self-reflective and to be able to identify really truly what is going to help you. And so here are some other ways to maintain positive mental health uh, for anyone diagnosed or not. Uh, one is connecting with others. Uh, the second, staying positive and, and grateful. Yes. <laughs> uh, getting physically active is another suggestion. Yeah, Exercise is a big one too. Helps yeah. people. Yep. Uh, helping others, looking outside of yourself, uh, getting enough sleep. That's a huge one for me. Uh, and developing healthy coping skills. And a note about the sleep, because sleep is also a, a warning sign, right? If you're sleeping too much or not enough. But one mm -hmm. of my counselors one time told me, she's like, if you need a day, Michelle, to take an extra long nap, you can do that. You know, knowing that you'll come out of it and just pick, you can't just go do that two or three days in a row. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, when we're going through depression or going through hard times, really shutting our body down and just letting letting it rest is mm -hmm. a really great way great way to preserve our mental health. So, for sure, yeah. such good suggestions. Okay, well, moms, we know you are doing so much, so much. Take a minute mm -hmm. to assess you. It's not selfish. We need you here, and we need you as healthy as you can be. Hmm. Yeah, well, our network of moms across the country talk about this issue regularly, and there are a ton of resources for you, likely right in your own community. So check out the post that we have linked in our show notes for more information and take a step in the next in the right direction. Uh, so to the mama currently suffering, uh, our sincere hope is that you are able to step out of the fog, take a deep breath. And, <laughs> and take back control of your mental health. That, my friend, would be a great thing to celebrate and just add sprinkles. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood, please visit momcollective.com. There you can find more information on our topic, our guest, and our host, Stephanie Fleece. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give a review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep encouraging moms to celebrate motherhood and just add sprinkles.